Seniors, it's really been a privilege, such a privilege for me to be your youth pastor these last two years. And uh, I think for all of you in here, um, in your middle school years, I was there for you then too. Um, this night is really bittersweet, you know. It's, it's, at least for me and I think for a lot of us leaders, it's absolutely sweet. It's great for you. You did it. I mean, you're like at the end or near the end or you have four or five weeks left. So for maybe the first time you've heard it, congratulations. You're like done with high school or almost done. Um, so it's really, really sweet. But it's also, it's also bitter. I, I, I will miss you so much. And for all the leaders in here, some of you, a lot of the leaders have seniors in their group and they maybe had you for four years. And so it's this bitter thing. It is always awful to get to the end of the year and realize, oh man, but that whole class, they're all going to be gone next year and they're moving on. And so as any teacher probably feels, um, as the leaders in here feel, it's also very, very hard to like think about you not being an oasis anymore. Um, well, I only have a few minutes to teach you tonight um, for one last time, and so I kind of want to make the minutes count. I want to talk to you tonight about um, the one essential thing. The one essential thing. What's the one essential thing? And again, this really, I want you to hear my heart, and hopefully you've heard this a lot this year, but for you seniors, this may be the last time you'll ever hear me teach. Who knows? Um, hopefully not. But seniors, in the next few months, in the next few years, your lives are going to change dramatically, dramatically. In fact, I think it's probably the greatest, the best season of life, maybe. It probably was for me, but it is filled with all kinds of change. Um, your, your high school career will end. You're looking forward to a new season. For most of you, it's college, but not for all of you. For many of you, in fact, it surprises me maybe how many of you, it's the military starting this next year, perhaps next January, or, or the guard, um, for many of you, maybe it's the workforce. It's just the workplace. You're finding a job. You're going to take a year off. Maybe you'll go to school. Maybe not. Maybe you have a good job. But for many of you, it's college. And so for the first time, you'll be out from under the care of your parents. You'll be out from under the protective wing of your parents. And for most of you, you are very excited about that. Um, guys especially, you are very excited about that. Like I said, some of the parents are like, well, we get a new room. We get, we get a free room in the house. We're going to redecorate that and turn it into a den. But maybe some of the parents are a little nervous too. You're there first. You're there. You're there. Maybe you're the baby, but maybe you're there first, and uh, they've never gone through this before. Some of you, you're going to leave. You're going to make your parents empty nesters, and that's going to be very hard for them. Um, whatever the case, girls, maybe you're really nervous about going to college. Maybe you're going to UNL next year, and that school is huge, and you're like, I'm going to get lost in the crowd. Um, Whatever the case, it's going to be an incredible season of change. For the next four years, for the next five years, however, <laughs> however long it takes you in college, or maybe you don't go, it's great. And you make all kinds of decisions. You decide what you're going to do with your life. You, do, you maybe really come to terms with who you're going to be, what you're going to believe. Your faith will be tested, and your faith might be tested big time. Um, I pray that you enjoy it all. The ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, I pray that you enjoy it all. But I also pray that you never forget the one essential thing. And what I hope for is many of you, the thing that you've, you've maybe been taught your whole life, hopefully, and certainly the thing you've heard here your whole life. Um, I'll never forget being in your shoes. I'll never forget the first time I publicly spoke, I feel like, besides speech class at my high school graduation. But then a few months after, I will never forget first pulling up, parking in the college campus parking lot here in Omaha for... For me, it was leaving this tiny, podunk, little Kansas town, pretty prairie. I was so ready to get out of there. 
I was only there for two years, but that's all I could take, and come to this huge metropolis called Omaha, right? Which is such a joke now that I've, you know, been here 12 years. It's not a big city at all. But, oh man, pulling into that, that parking lot, so eager, so excited for what, lied at, what, for what laid ahead. Um, what was going to happen? Who was I going to meet? What was, um, what was the next day going to hold? I had no idea. I was so eager, and I, I didn't even know what was coming. But I did know why I had come, because I came to Omaha, I came to go to Grace, I came, I wanted to be in a Christian community, and so, and I wanted to study the Bible. I was so, so very grateful that I had been taught, what, this one essential thing, by my parents and by my youth leaders. And it was something I never wanted to forget, and I kind of vowed never to forget, which is why I decided to do what I did. But what's the one essential thing? What is it? I don't have a lot of time, um, but uh, here's the thing. You all should know it, hopefully. Hopefully, if you've been here much this year, you've heard it in different forms every single Wednesday night this year. Probably every single Wednesday night over the past two years. Um, We talk about it every week. But every week, it's maybe there's a slight nuance. It's varied a little bit. It's from a different passage in Scripture. Um, It's all throughout the Bible. In fact, it is the essence of the Bible. It's the one single message in the Scriptures. Listen to this verse. This is probably my most favorite verse in the whole Bible, Um, at least recently. It sums it up so well. This is John 5, verse 39. And this is Jesus speaking to the Jewish religious leaders at the time. And, uh, And they were very religious very religious, but he says this. Maybe you've never seen this verse before. Jesus says, you diligently, talking to these leaders, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Okay, this is in the book of John. Time out real quick. New Testament hadn't been written yet. Jesus is speaking the New Testament, so to speak. What he's talking about when he says the scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament. We're like, I thought Jesus wasn't around in the Old Testament. Jesus says right here, all the scriptures testify about me. Yet, he says, you refuse to come to me to have life. It's the one message all throughout the scripture, not just New Testament, but everyone is speaking of it and and longing for it to come in the Old Testament as well. It's the one essential thing. It's the thing that I hope seniors and all of you, I hope you never let go of. No No matter what a professor says next year at UNL, no matter what your roommate thinks about your belief in the inerrancy of Scripture, or that the Bible is actually true, or that Jesus Christ was real and did what he said he did. Here's one more verse. This is Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 through 39. Um, this is a passage that I, I felt I was talking about this with my adult life group here at Brookside on Monday night, and I felt the Lord just say to me, you need to share this on Wednesday night with the seniors. Jesus is again speaking here, and, uh, but he's speaking to the 12 the 12 men that he had just designated his apostles. And uh, if you've already started reading it, which you probably have, this is a hard saying of Jesus. In fact, this is a very, very difficult saying of Jesus. We try to avoid these, these verses in the Scriptures. Maybe especially in contexts like this where families are together, your parents are here, and yet Jesus says these really powerful things, saying this is the cost of discipleship. And so he writes, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You don't understand my worth. He wasn't trying to be like big-headed and, and prideful. He was the son of God. 
He was like, you don't understand who I am. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying, as it's recorded in John's writings, he's saying, I'm the way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Some of you are hoping next year, this next year, you're finally getting to college. You're hoping to find your life. Be careful about that. Honestly, be careful about that because in finding your life, you may lose it. Jesus says, give up your life for me and you'll find true life. You'll find a satisfied life. You'll find what you'll never find just chasing your own dreams and desires, maybe. It's totally countercultural. And you realize that. Some of you, again, you see that and you go, wow, really? That's strong. Jesus is asking for absolute allegiance. When he says, whoever, uh, or whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, he's saying, I want, I want ultimate allegiance, complete and total allegiance. This was something no other rabbi in that day ever demanded. Nor could they demand, because no other rabbi was the Son of God. He's saying it all comes down to, and Pastor Steve said this two weeks ago, what do you do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to hold on to your faith? Are you going to let, let it be known next year at your college campus that you're a Christian? Or are you going to shrink back? Are you going to get involved in a ministry, or are you going to chuck it? These are sobering words, and yet... They're words I think we need to hear. And seniors, I want you to hear tonight. I think his point is love for Christ and love for the gospel has to take precedence over every other relationship. Over every other relationship. A disciple of Jesus tries to forget about his own desires and wants and wishes and says, God, I want what you want for me. I don't know what it is. It scares me to death. But I want what you want for me. And that doesn't mean you like, you're like, Brad, what do I do with this? Like, what about, what do I do tomorrow? I have to go to school. I've already accepted where I'm going to college. I've said I'm going to go there. What does this mean for my life? It'll look different for each one of you. It kind of goes back maybe to what James talked about last week and our wrapping up of spiritual gifts and just saying, serve somewhere, get involved, do ministry, look to others before you look to yourself. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus makes it pretty simple, doesn't it? Sometimes Christianity seems so, like, complicated and complex, but it's very easy when he just says, well, here's two commandments. These are the greatest ones. Love God and love others, but make them, make them the priority. Put God and others before yourself. Here's the one essential thing. The one essential thing I want you to hear, and you know this, again, you've heard this a million times, but the one essential thing is knowing Jesus Christ and as a result of his sacrifice to you, as a result of his taking the death penalty for you, paying the ultimate price of sin on the cross, as a result of that, it's laying down your life so that you can find it in him, so that he will raise you up. It's laying down your life. When he says, anyone who takes up his cross, in that culture, everyone knew exactly what he was talking about. Everyone knew you only take up your cross if you're being crucified, which is how the Romans executed people then. They made everyone take... That was not foreign language to them. And so he's saying, die to yourself. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And the life I live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Here's how I want to end. Um, I want to read to you just 
these very brief writings from, uh, <laughs> look to my Bible, this is not in the Bible, from uh, this author, C.J. Mahaney, and uh, he writes this. This is a great little book. Um, it's called The Cross-Centered Life, but this is going to be on the screens too. And uh, he writes this about his own kids, his own son. As, as my nine-year-old son, Chad, enters young adulthood, the most important thing I can teach him is that even though he's being raised in a Christian family and is leading a moral life, he's a sinner who desperately needs the substitutionary death of Christ to be forgiven by God. And so I'm teaching him the gospel day by day. I tell him that he's a sinner just like his dad and that sin is a serious problem. I put it in words that his young mind can understand, but I don't ignore or minimize the seriousness of sin. Though his, through his actions and attitudes, he has rebelled against his maker. And this great God is perfectly holy and must respond with fierce opposition to sin. He must punish it. Some might find it surprising that I would teach a nine-year-old about God's wrath towards sin. But I find it surprising that any loving person would withhold this truth from another person they love. Because only when we understand God's wrath towards sin can we realize that we need to be saved from it. Only when we hear the very bad news that we're deserving of judgment can we appreciate the very good news that God has provided salvation through His Son. And this is what I hold out to my young son as the hope of his life. That Jesus, God's perfect, righteous Son, died in His place for His sins. Jesus took all the punishment. Jesus received all the wrath as He hung on the cross so people like Chad and his sinful daddy could be completely forgiven and made new. I hope to teach my son many other things as well, but the gospel is the one essential thing for him to know. You guys, there's, there's so much seniors that you will go on to learn next year at college or whatever you do in the military. You will learn gobs of wisdom and skill sets and all kinds of stuff, and that's great and it's good, and my goodness, I hope you, I hope you succeed and thrive in what you do but don't forget this. Don't forget that when you have issues with anger, have relationship issues, a lot of it comes down to other idols in your life. You're putting something else before Christ. Don't forget the one essential thing. So as we kind of wrap up tonight, um, we're going to give you seniors uh, a book tonight. Um, it's a great resource. It's kind of a nice little book, and we're going to give it to you here in just a couple minutes. It's called... Um, it's called the Bible Answer Book for students, written by the Bible Answer Man. Uh, if, it's kind of crazy that some dude actually took that title, but um, this guy's really smart. Maybe you listen to him on the radio. He's on the radio. Um, and the book is really full of a ton of knowledge. Here's what I love about it. It's a short thing. It answers, I don't know, um, 85 to 100 different really hard questions. And seniors, I wanted to give this book to you. I've had it for two years myself because the answers are short little two-page answers. And so next year when, you're, when, you're, um, when your roommate maybe says to you, like, seriously, bro? You actually believe that that's not myth? I was actually, you know, raised to believe that that was myth. You take that seriously. Um, you, can have, you can have some equipping. You can go to this book and use it as a resource. Um, so here's what, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'll, I want all you seniors, um, I'm actually going to ask you to come, come up here and stand on the stage in the limited area. And then um, I've asked Mike Matan who has been a, a longtime Oasis leader, and this year his oldest is a graduating senior. 
And so I asked Mike to come up and say a closing kind of prayer over you seniors. And uh, so it's going to be very difficult for you seniors not to come up here and like start a bajillion conversations. But I want you to get in this tight mass huddle thing and kind of clump together. After Mike prays, um, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to hand out books to these seniors. Again, um, way to go. Way to do it. And uh, thank you for being a part of this ministry, for many of you leading in this ministry and influencing others in this ministry to know and love Jesus Christ. So, Mike, it's a privilege to have you. Um, you're praying for your son as part of this group, but you've also been a faithful leader, and um, you can close this in prayer and pray for them. I just want to thank Brad. Uh, it's pretty humbling to be up here to ask to pray for you seniors and even for the rest of the Oasis group uh, that you come back, you bring friends. I wish I had an opportunity like this when I was growing up, and I wouldn't have done some of the stupid things that I did. That's why I kind of stepped up to be a leader. God was calling me to uh, put my life into some young people so they wouldn't make the stupid mistakes that I did. So I just, I'm humbled to be asked to pray and pray for the seniors. So if we could bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, as, uh, as these young people go forward, Lord, with uh, a stage in their life, um, I ask you to protect them. I ask you to be with them. I ask you to be, have them be bold. Have them share their faith. They're going to get to meet new people at college or serve in their country or on the workforce. And uh, I, I just want them to be bold as a lion so that people know that they're Christians by the way they act, by the way they talk, uh, by, by the way they serve you, Lord. Um, I just uh, thank them uh, for putting their faith in you, um, and I, I just pray that they cling to you in times of trouble. Um, I, I pray that they come to you when they need you and that they leave room for you. They can get very busy and tied up with school and schoolwork and, and doing stuff and, and that they just leave room for you or make room for you. It's going to take some extra effort in some things because they may not have people who they know to uh, to be in a life group with. So I, I just ask you to bring people to them that they can spend time with and share in your word with. Um, Father, I'm just humbled to be here tonight. I, I pray for them wholeheartedly. In your dear heavenly name, we, we, we close. Amen. I'm country, yeah.